So, how many of you are familiar with uh, role-playing games? Raise your hand if you're familiar with role-playing games. I see a few of you, like, you know, board games, video games, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, a handful of you. For those of you who are not familiar with role-playing games, let me kind of give you a big picture of what they're all about. Role-playing games, uh, as you can imagine through the name of them, are all about playing a role uh, as, as uh, a team. Basically, each role-playing game has different characters that you play that have different skills or different abilities or superpowers or something that they use in conjunction with a team of other characters to help accomplish a mission. Uh, like, I don't know, here's an image. I, I didn't... Uh, uh, actually use any copywritten thing. I just made that with AI because it's so cool. Because we're going like several layers deep of nerdiness right now. But anyway, role-playing games. Everybody's got a different character. And so just bear with me for a second because as I talk about these specific skills, I think this actually is relevant. So some characters have uh, they're, they're, they're what's called a glass cannon. All right? A glass cannon is a really, really strong, powerful attacks, but really weak, like a wizard that can cast powerful spells, but one hit will take them out. Or the, uh, the tank. Tank is like a character, like a barbarian or something that can, can take a ton of hits, but doesn't necessarily deal as much damage. But they take all the hits for the team while everybody else is doing their work. They're there's the rogue. The rogue usually has like a bow and arrow and they're really fast and they can do critical hits and, and they're all about dodging. And then there's always a healer on the team that can help keep the team in the game. I will stop at that point. All right? I won't keep going in the list, but you get the idea, right? Each of these people, each of these characters on a team in a role-playing game, they have unique roles to play and they all depend on one another. If a healer went into a dungeon by himself, he'd be gone. He would not be able to make it. But the team can be beneficial or it can be beneficial for a healer to be a part of a team. All right? So why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about role-playing games? Well, because they're cool and fun, right? Of course. But I'm talking about them because I think that this concept of, of, of unique characters with unique skills and gifts working together on a team, it's really relevant to the topic that we're talking about today. It's relevant specifically to the way that we engage with one another in the church. Because look, every one of us who follows Jesus is given unique gifts and skills and powers, so to speak, just like these RPG characters. And we are given these skills to participate in God's mission to heal the world. And we need one another to compensate for our weaknesses. All right? That's, that's, that's just the way it is. Now, not many of us are, you know, half-elf barbarians or, or whatever, like RPG character stuff. But just like in a role-playing game, every one of us must use the unique mix of gifts that God's given us as a part of a team, this team, if we want to be victorious. All right? That's the truth. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the gifts or the skills or gifts that God gives us and how badly we need one another to be strong where we are weak. This is week three of our series called Put Me In Coach, where we're exploring what it looks like to be all in, in our, with our faith, to be, you know, off the sidelines and into the game. And so to do that, we've been exploring verse by verse through uh, uh, the early part of Romans 12. Romans is the letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, where he describes what this looks like. He describes what it means to say, put me in, coach. Here's kind of his big idea. In verse 1 of Romans 12, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, your lives to God, because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. In other words, following Christ should not be a half-hearted affair. No, God has given us everything, right? That's what Romans 1 through 12 or 1 through 11 is all about. He gave us everything. He brought us salvation from sin, from death. With all of that he has given us, the only logical and rational response from us is to give back to God the life that he saved, ours, to put our lives on the altar, to be a living sacrifice. In other words, saying to God, look, I am all in. I'm all in, right? This life, it's yours. You send me where you want me to go because I'm going where you want me to be, right? That's what it looks like. Now, that's how it begins, but I love this. As we've, as we've talked about, when we surrender our lives to God, when we have that, that heart commitment, well, then he begins to do something in us. He begins to shape us. Uh, we call it a sanctification or transformation. He begins to, to shape us so that we start to act and, and look and even think more like Jesus. It happens. That transformation happens, and as it does, he calls us to step into a, a one-of-a-kind mission. In other words, within this community, right, within this church, this body, there is a job for you to do. There is something that is designed, that God designed for you to do to help build up this community. It's your job. It's yours alone. He made you for this. And here's the best part, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Again, let's say you say yes. You say, yes, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to go where you send me, God. Use me for your purposes. When you do that, God begins to equip you to do that job well. He gives you skills, gifts that are going to help you accomplish your role on this team. It's your purpose. So how does he equip you? Well, he equips you with what is often called spiritual gifts. So let's talk about spiritual gifts, all right? We're going to turn to Romans 12 yet again, and we're going to start in verse 6, page 944 in the House Bibles. I'd love for you to have it open in front of you and take a look. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray for us, all right? So let's pray. Well, Father God, my desire is that this would be a church filled with people who are not only aware of their purpose and their job and their calling within this body, but that they are aware of how you're gifting them to do it well. And so, Father, as we talk about spiritual gifts, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just, would just breathe through this place and give us, give us encouragement when we need it, hope that there's something for us to do that matters, and would you give us the courage to say, yes, uh, it's, it's time to step out in faith. We've got to be all in. So, Father, as I preach, would you help me to just disappear and allow your Holy Spirit to remain? Would you give every one of us ears to hear what you have to say to us today? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week, we looked at Paul's metaphor of the body, right? He uses the metaphor of a body to talk about what the church is and how it works, because in a body— All the different parts of your body have a different function. They all have a different role to play for the body to be healthy and growing and full of life, okay? So now we're going to read about those different types of functions. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. In his grace, Paul says, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. 
If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All right. So God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, these gifts are often referred to as spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts because they are gifts given to us from God. They are not just skills. They're not life skills. These are, these are something that go beyond skills, something that God uh, empowers us with. That's why they're spiritual gifts. Um, let's talk about a couple of these. For example, prophecy. Prophecy is a unique gift that some people within the church have to reveal God's truth to the church. I've known a number of people who have the gift of prophecy, and and they have played a significant role in the life of grace, even in my life. Basically, people with the gift of prophecy will will often share uh, a word that God has has revealed to them, something that they believe God wants the church to hear. Or sometimes it comes in an image. Occasionally, someone with the gift of prophecy will will give a glimpse of what they sense God is saying will will happen someday. Sometimes it's it's a word of encouragement or even caution about what's going on right now, people with the gift of prophecy are integral in helping us hear the voice of God because they are uniquely attuned to hear it, right? That's, that's the gift of prophecy. Some of you have that gift. Maybe you don't even realize it, but you do. Um, then he also mentions the, the gift of teaching, for example. Now, I, I think that God has given me the gift of teaching. And I don't say that to like pat myself on the back. Why I say that is because when I tried to explain complicated things to people, or especially things from the Bible, people say that it helps them understand things better. It, it, it helps make things clear. I, I wasn't always necessarily gifted at, at teaching. It just sort of, it's kind of something that God has equipped me with as my role to play as a part of this church. I can help this body better understand the Word of God, and so that's what I'm here to do. That's my, that's my gift. Now, there are other gifts that Paul mentions here. There's, there's serving or encouraging others. There's, uh, you know, some people are particularly gifted at encouragement. They're just so good at that, and they always have the right word to say to make you, to make you know, oh, things are going to be okay, right? That's the gift of encouragement. There's giving, there's leading, there's showing kindness. The point is that every single one of us has a special function within the body, unique spiritual gifts that help this body grow and be strong. So the big question is, I'm imagining that you're feeling this, this question, what is your spiritual gift? For the purpose of making Grace Church healthy and strong, what is it that God has given you? Well, before we get to answering that, and we're going we're gonna to talk about how you find that out, but before we get there, I do want to acknowledge something. This can be a little bit confusing and a little bit unclear uh, as we talk about how exactly do you make sense of which spiritual gifts there are and which ones you have. And here's why. Here's why it can be confusing. Because this list of gifts that we see in Romans 12 is not the only list of gifts that we read in the Bible. There are others. And the thing that's confusing is that those other lists are not the same list. So, for example, in Ephesians, Paul says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. 
Okay, that is a different list than Romans 12. And then you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's a, another completely different list. It's, you know, there, there Paul talks about uh, giving wise advice as a gift that God gives the church, or the gift of faith, or the gift of healing, or the gift of speaking in tongues, and so on. So what are we supposed to do with all this? What, what's going, is, is there a master list of gifts that we can, that we can draw from? Scholars and religious leaders debate this all the time. Oh, and there's other debates that they have that are also confusing, like, are all of the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible still active today? They debate that. Uh, Are there any gifts that are not mentioned in the Bible that God gives to the church? That's debated. Uh, Are the gifts that we receive permanent, or do they come and go? That's also debated. If you were to Google, like, what are spiritual gifts and how do they work, you're going to see dozens and dozens of different websites that all tell you exactly how they work and exactly which ones they are, and they're all going to give you different answers, right? That's just how it works. It's clear as mud. So what is the truth? How do we make sense of this? Well, to be completely frank, I don't think we can ever know for sure exactly what the right gifts are because this debate has been going on for a really long time. We don't always agree on exactly how they work. But here's something we can agree on. There are a few truths about spiritual gifts that we can all agree on, and the biblical authors make very, very clear. So here's what we can hang our hat on. Number one, we do know this. God gives his people spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. Fact. We know that's true. Number two, these gifts are unique for each person. Okay, that is just something you you can rely on. Your gift mix is going to be different than the person sitting next to you. And number three, we must use our gifts together for the body of Christ to be effective, right? We need that person with the gift of encouragement because if not, then we will get discouraged. We need that person who can speak God's truth through prophecy because otherwise we might be misled. Each of us needs each other to use our gifts to be effective. The way I see it, and I could be wrong, I always say that, I could be wrong, right? The way I see it, I don't think the point here is for us to nail down some textbook definition of spiritual gifts or or to come up with a manual for how to use them. I think the point that Scripture invites us to consider is just this, to understand that God gives each of us a job to do, and He will equip us with the gifts that we need to do it. That's what we know. God gives us a job to do, and he gives us the skills and gifts we need to do it well. Maybe your spiritual gifts do fall into some neat and tidy categories, or maybe they are unique, as unique as you are. I don't know, but I do know you're gifted. If this were a role-playing game, uh, to get back to that that metaphor that many of you don't know what I'm talking about, but if this was a role-playing game, we would all have something called a player card. Uh, maybe it's like a screen on the, on the video game, but it's a card that basically tells you about your your player. It tells you what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. You know, maybe some special special things that happen or whatever. Every single one of us would have a different player card, but it would tell us that we do have a job to do. We all have a role to play. That's the point. That's what I'm trying to to get across. So let's get back to that big question. How do you know what your gifts are? How do you know what's on your, your player card for this thing called faith? Well, the way I understand it, there are 
two big ways that we can uh, discern where our gifts, what our gifts are, okay? Two big ways, and they kind of come at it from different directions. So let's talk about both of them. The first way that you can start to find out your gifts is to figure out your purpose. Start big picture. What are you here to do? What job has God given to you in, the, in this church or, or in this broader community in the world? If you're going to say, put me in, coach, well, what position on his team is God calling you to play? Let me paraphrase Ephesians 2.10 again. I've, I've quoted this every week of this series. You, I'm just going to make it about you. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the things, the good things that he planned for you long ago. So again, what's your purpose? What are those good things that God wants you to do? If you can find that out and you can start to figure out what it is that you're, you're meant to do and you start stepping into those good things, well, that is when you're going to start to discover some of the unique ways that God has equipped you for the task. And in my experience, when you're, when you're stepping out and actually trying to, to, to step into your purpose, that's when you begin to discover skills, gifts, passions that you didn't even really know that you had. So starting out with your purpose is a great way to figure out what are the gifts that you have. I'll give you an example. When I first started traveling the world, or before I started traveling the world, I was, as I often say, I was a, like, a sickly, uh, indoor-loving, comfort-loving, you know, picky-eating couch potato who was addicted to video games, right? That was my life before I started traveling the world. You can picture the kind of food that I like to eat. Pizza, pasta, uh, hamburgers, and that's it. Those are my, that was my diet, right, before I traveled the world. Well, guess what happens when you travel the world and you go to, like, the developing world? You eat some stuff that is a little bit weird. And so all of a sudden, I found myself eating goat brains and intestines and, uh, and Mekong river snails and durian fruit, which sounds nice, but it isn't. It's literally the worst thing in the entire world. It, it's like 95% delicious and 5% rotting cat carcass, all right? So it is just not great, not great. And here's what I discovered, right? You'd think this, like, former picky-eating guy was going to be miserable and just, like, vomiting on the side of the road. But guess what? I kept the food down. Over and over again, I kept it down, and I was able to eat it with a smile on my face, and I could, I could honor the guests who are giving me food in these, in these different places and eat the food that was put in front of me. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think God equipped me with a gift of a strong stomach, so that I could do what he had called me to do to tell stories of his work around the world. I don't think the strong stomach is anywhere in the Bible as a gift, a spiritual gift, but I do believe that I never would have discovered that gift had I stayed comfortable. I stepped out into what God is calling me into, and he began to equip me to do the job well. All right, that's just, that's just one example, right? But you, you get the sense that if I had never said yes to God's call, I may never have discovered some of these abilities that he wanted me to have. Stepping into your God-given purpose is a great way to discover what God is equipping you to do, right? A great way to discover your gifts. Just start doing it, and you'll find out how he's equipping you. Or in other words, get into the game and let the coach show you where you're strong. By the way, if you don't know even where to start when it comes to finding your purpose, maybe you're just like, that sounds great, Barry, but I don't even, where would I even begin? Well, I want to give you a couple resources. Books, actually, that are written by grace people who 
are using their gifts to, to teach, and that's a part of what these books are. So the first book I want you to know about is my dad's. My dad uh, was the founding senior pastor here at Grace Church, and he wrote a book called A Why to Live For, and it is a really excellent book that helps, helps you look at how the world is broken and begin to think about what it might look like for you uh, to start following your passions to join God in healing it. And guess what? We've got free copies of the book out at the cafe, so you are welcome to go out and grab a copy. Um, I know Dad would be, would be thrilled for you to read that. So that's one book. Uh, find your purpose there. Um, the other book that I recommend is one by uh, Christine Wagoner, who is one of our attenders as well as a partner of ours, and she wrote a book called Finding Your Yes. And this book is, is another way of thinking about the things that God calls us into and what does it look like for us to say yes when the Spirit moves and how does that change us and, and what could our life look like if we do. So that book is available for sale at the cafe. And again, I encourage you, pick up, maybe pick up both of them and, and start your journey to discover what it is that God has called you into. Could be the very beginning, the starting point of a long journey of faith. And again, the reason I'm saying this is because I believe when you step into your why, when you start living out your purpose, you are undoubtedly going to start to discover how God has equipped you for the journey. Find your God-given purpose, and you'll start to discover your God-given gifts. So that's number one. That's the first way that you could approach it, starting from the big picture and moving in. But there's another way to find out what your spiritual gifts are, and that's to start kind of from the other direction. Rather than starting with the big picture purpose of your life, you start with looking at, like, what comes naturally to you? What are you good at? What are you, what are you naturally gifted in? Maybe looking at the spiritual gifts that you already have will give you a big clue as to, well, what you're here to do. Last week, we introduced a tool to help you do this, to help you start to identify it. It's a, it's a spiritual gifts test on our website, gracechurch.us slash gifts test. I know a lot of you already took it. If you didn't, I encourage you to do that. Um, this is, it's kind of like a personality test where you kind of say, well, this is something I, I'm often doing, and this is something I rarely do, and, and it'll help you kind of get a sense of what, uh, w- which gifts are most prominent. I took it. And this was what my, my results looked like. And there, there it is. Teaching is right there at the top. Um, that's, that's, you know, something that, that uh, I'm, I'm apparently God has gifted me in. But what you don't see on there is strong stomach. And I don't know why that one wasn't <laughs> included in the list. Anyway, uh, but those, that, that's what my, your gifts mix is going to look entirely different. But what's cool about this test is our team has done an amazing job of uh, you get those results, but then you also get your, your top three gifts. It explains what those gifts are and gives you some ideas of ways that you can use those in the world here at Grace. It's really, really cool. Again, the point of this test is, is for you to think about some of what makes you unique within the body of Christ and to consider how important your role is in the functioning and the health of this church. So for example, let's, let's talk, let's use another example here of a gift that, that some of you definitely have, uh, hospitality. Some of you are very gifted at hospitality. That is not my gift. I got like 24% in hospitality. And so I'm not like, I'm not like hostile to guests or anything. But, but I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't think in those terms, right? Maybe I will, uh, I will remember to turn the outside lights on if I've got people coming over. But you've got the right candle scent for that one particular person who's about to walk in the door, right? You're so good at hospitality. Your, your kitchen... Uh, 
drink menus like bigger than a Starbucks, right? You've got everything because you want to make sure that everybody who comes into your space is, is perfectly at home and perfectly welcomed and comfortable. That's what it's like to have this gift of hospitality. So if that's your gift, I want you just to think about this. How could you be using your gift to serve and build this church? If, if it's hospitality, I mean, a really obvious one, you could be a part of our hospitality team, right? There's a whole team of people who are here just to create a warm and welcoming atmosphere for anybody coming through our doors. If you've got the gift, you could use it on a Sunday morning. That's a really easy first step. Another example, you could be a, a high school small group leader. Think about what students are going through these days, the anxiety, the depression, the, the fear that they are facing. You could use that gift of hospitality to create a small group atmosphere that tells every one of those students, you belong. This is a place for you. That's another way that you could use your gift of hospitality. You want to get really practical? You could help our, our facilities team to make sure that our physical space, the grounds of our building are as beautiful as they could possibly be. All of these might be the way that you could help serve this church with a gift that is unique to you, right? You don't want me doing that job. That's not my job because that's not my gift, but it might be yours. Now, that's just one example. That's just the example of hospitality. Your gifts are going to be unique to you. But we as a community, here's what I'm getting across. As a community, we need you to use your gifts well. Use them well. Whether God has gifted you in mercy or in leadership or, or generosity or administration or anything else, my, my ask for you this morning, what I'm imploring you to do is to get into the game and play with all your heart. That is how we as a church accomplish our mission. I'm going to read again what Paul says in, in Romans 12. And I, I just want to remind you, he's not just talking about having these gifts. He's talking about using them. Using them. Here's what he says. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, what? Speak out with as much faith as he, God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. Find your God-given gifts because they may just be the start of discovering the reason you were born. Find your gifts. Bottom line, Grace Church will be healthiest and strongest and most effective in our mission when we are all, every one of us, using our spiritual gifts to the fullest. This is the ultimate role-playing game, right? And we all have a role to play. If every single one of us was a wizard or if every single one of us was a barbarian, we would not be able to make it. We wouldn't survive in a dungeon. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our gifts together allow us to do things we could never do alone. But guys, we're not raiding a dungeon, right? We're not trying to defeat some dragon. What are we here to do? We are here to heal the broken places of our world in Jesus' name. We are here to give hope to those without hope. We are here to love the unlovable, to establish justice, and to stand up for what is right. That is what we are here to do, to be the, the ones who see the world and speak into the world and act in the world just like our Savior, Jesus. 
That's what we're here to do. So what's your role? What's your role as a part of it? Because we cannot finish our mission without you. Let's pray. Well, Father, you know my passion. You know how, how eager I am for every person here to, to, to step into their, their gifts that you have given them. Not just because it's going to make the, this church stronger and healthier, which of course I want, but because, Father, it is going to lead to them finding the fulfillment and the joy and the passion that comes from following you into a life that matters, a life beyond themselves. God, I pray that within this community, you would continue to bubble up within us a passion to join you in the work you care about. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will give clarity and insight to those who are still asking the question, what is my gift? What is my role? Would you give them uh, clear next steps to take, Father, out in the community or here at this church to step into what you have made them to do? Father, we are eager to see what you're going to do through us and in us in the days ahead, and we want to be living sacrifices on the altar, giving our lives to you every step of the way. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, every week in this series, we are introducing you to people here at Grace who we think represent some of these uh, these principles in action. And so right now, I want to do that again and introduce you to Marv Richardson. So Marv, would you join me on the stage? And would you help me thank Marv, please? Thank you. Hey, Marv. So uh, Marv is, is, has been an encouragement to me in a number of different ways, but one of the things that he does a little bit behind the scenes is he is on what's called our financial oversight team. And the financial oversight team, or the FOT, they do incredible work to help us make sure our, our finances are full of integrity, that we are making good decisions. They help us with wisdom on our budgeting process. They do an incredible job. So Marv is, is, uh, is a gift to us in that way. Marv, you've had a long time passion for generosity, for, um, for, for giving. Like, it, would you consider that to be a gift? And, and would you say that that is something that goes um, back pretty far in your life? Or how did that begin? It did. So it started in childhood. My father taught Sunday school. And he had this great big ball jar, probably two-gallon ball jar with a metal lid. And it was full of all different size balls, all different color balls. So when I was a little kid, he used to, you know, he'd say, hey, Marv, I'm going to dump these balls out, see if you can put them back in the jar, and then screw the lid back on. So I tried and tried and tried. I can never get it to close. So one day he said, I want you to go to Sunday school class with me. So I did. He said, now sit in the back and don't say anything. So I tried not to do that. And he taught Sunday school. And so each one of those balls had something written on it. Mortgage payment, car payment, motorcycle, food, clothing, education, vacation, those kind of things, and tithing. And so he taught the lesson, and the lesson was the tithing ball goes in first. When you did that, the entire, all the balls fit, every single one of them, <laughs> and the jar closed. That's how I was first introduced to that. Wow, that's you know, cool. I think the second thing from my perspective is Dave Rodriguez, about 10 years ago, gave a sermon or spoke um, in, about debt and said, you cannot freely give 
you know, with a lot of debt. And I was thinking, okay, mortgage payment, car payment, so on and so forth. So I went home, talked to my wife, and she looked at me and she said, we're going to get completely out of debt. Hmm. I got, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I can tell you 10 years fast forward, that's true. Wow. And that helps us to give generously. Absolutely. So, so you, you obviously use your gifts to serve this church through the FOT sure. and other ways. Can you speak just a bit about what does it mean to you to be able to invest in your church family with the gifts that God's given you? Sure. So, you know, being on the financial oversight team, I'm relatively new to that. It's, it's probably a couple of years now, I think maybe a year and a half. And I can tell you, for those of you who don't know, there are some really smart people on the financial oversight team and really smart people in the finance area at Grace. And people that understand investments, they understand um, insurance, they understand you know, budgets and accounting and all those kinds of things. But they're Christ followers first. So they are really focused on being good stewards of God's money. Hmm. And how do we use that to make sure that we can get through a budget year? The second thing I'll tell you is it is not inexpensive to run this church. This is a big church. There is a lot here. First of all, we have staffing, right? We need to pay our staff a fair wage. They have families to take care of. They have bills to pay. They want to tithe. Second of all, the infrastructure of this church is huge, and there are things that break. You know, we have communications, we have parking lots, we have all kinds of things that we have to repair. And giving, this church is driving that. This is a not-for-profit, mm-hmm. you know, organization. But we have to have a for-profit mentality. We have to make sure that we're giving to support the needs of this church. And particularly as a part of that budget is outreach. Mm-hmm. And what we do around the community, it takes money to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we talked a little bit earlier about the end of your giving. Right. And I'm just going to be a little risky and just give you the stage. What do you want to say to the people of Grace? Anything on your heart, anything on your mind in that in that? I mean, vein? I think if you go back over the last, let's go over the last, I don't know, 18 months or so, think about, I, there's three projects I'm thinking about that required funding and support to get outreach and bring people into this church to follow Christ. The first was the music man, right? How many thousands of people came through this church to see that and how many lives did we touch in the process. The second is the leaf, the cafe. It's become a gathering place, right? A community place, even during the week. Wednesday mornings now it's open so you can come in. How many people do we expose to Grace Church and Christ through that? The third is, I'm looking at Marcus right now, is the mobile food pantry. So now we can go into the community, right? Rather than the community having to come to us and we can share our message, the message of God with them. So those are three things that I think are important. The second is, look, folks, all of us this year should stretch a little. You need to stretch a little with your giving. Maybe even give to the point where it hurts a little bit, right? There is a Bible verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, that says the point is this, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. And I can tell you from personal experience, when I have stretched, when I've given a little till it hurts, 
I get that back. We get that back. Well, thank you, Marv. That is a, a great challenge to the people of Grace. Would you thank Marv for uh, investing in this church family in the way you do? Thank you. Well, friends, I, I've talked a lot about getting in the game today, and so I want to give you one other action step if you're interested. I mentioned the books that are out by the cafe, but we also, this weekend, have a ministry fair. A bunch of our different ministries are out there with people who will, would love to get you in the game. If you're like, I've got the gift of mercy, how could I use that with community life? They can help you talk through that, all right? So I want you to go out there, talk to those ministries, and think about what it might look like for you to serve and get in the game. Um, Friends, if there's anything on your heart, I, I would love to invite you to come over to the, the cross after service. Prayer, prayer team members will be there, and they'd love to pray with you. Um, and just a couple quick reminders. The welcome party is right after this service in room 111. Um, if you're new or new-ish, come on over. I'll be there. I would love to meet you. Uh, and also, the thrift store is open till 2 p.m. today. 50% off, I guess, today, so go crazy. All the money that we bring in through the thrift store supports the work of the care center, so it's like win-win go crazy. Um, all right, that's it for today, friends. I love you all. I hope you have an amazing, amazing Thanksgiving, and I'll see you soon. Go with God.